good. Okay. okay. And <gasps> what's going, going on, on with dancing dance stuff? stuff? What's, what's happening, happening with, with dancing dance things? things? What's, go- what's going on? What's, ha- what's, what's happening? happening? What's, what's going, going on with dancing stuff? Wow, that was a beautiful... Really beautiful, really yeah, beautiful. Really, really, really beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, really, really beautiful. Um, okay, so I am going to make sure to stay close to my microphone today. Mm-hmm. Um, That'll help. That'll help Jeremy. I, I'm going to have a little surprise for you later in the episode, which is fun. Oh, my God. Well... It's funny because I might not actually be able to share it with you in real time if we don't interrupt the podcast, but then I can share it with you after the fact. But I'll tell you about it in real time. Ugh, I love being told about stuff. Yeah, yeah. One of my story. absolute favorite things is um, I don't want to watch a TV show or a movie right now, but I'm, I'm okay with someone telling me the entirety of that TV show or movie. Mm-hmm. And part of that might be that I am on a screen for hmm, like around six to seven hours a day mm-hmm. um, in front of people. They're in front of me. There's They're acting or moving or something. And I'm talking and observing. And at the end of that, I don't, I don't want to see a screen. I don't want to yeah. see anything. And then I just, but I, I do, I don't mind someone talking to me for a long time while I imagine it. I'm in a, I'm in a different place right now where my screens are my, my company, you know, my screens mm. are my friends. The so, wallpaper is my friend. Yeah, okay, beautiful. <laughs> and I, I have to just, I'm going to just let our listeners know that I am at my studio today and they are doing some kind of mm, building of a set or construction or something as they often do here in this building. So there's going to be the sound of maybe a hammering or a sawing at times. So I love it. Don't worry about I it. I love it. Don't worry about it. You, you know what? You know what I have to say about it? Don't worry about it. Absolutely. Don't worry. Please stop worrying about me. <laughs> <laughs> I also, I also really wish that it was just, just you guys, please stop worrying. Just stop. Stop in general, worrying. no, cut it out. Stop Can the insanity, Susan Powder. Wow, wow. Yeah. Stop worrying. Um, so I wonder when I'll stop doing that. I don't know. Do you have, I mean, here's what I think we should do this week. I think we should catch up a little bit. Ugh, okay. And then uh, after that, um, we're going to, we actually got several questions that we're going to go through. Great. And uh, and I uh, that'll be that. Yeah, that'll I be love that. it. So did you it. did you consume anything this week, food, media, or otherwise that you want to tell me about? <sighs> I know. And this coming right after you said you're not watching things, so it's complicated. I realize that. I am. I do. I did watch. Um, because a new episode of RuPaul's Drag Race hasn't come out yet. So I did watch an episode from season 12 um, with Heidi and Closet and uh, Jada Hall and um, 
I, they end up lips. I mean, they're the lip sync at the end mm-hmm. to, to 19, to Prince's 1999. And mm-hmm. it's maybe my favorite lip sync. It's maybe where I'm truly like, neither of these contestants should go home. These are both stars. These are, um, and I was so in love with Heidi and Closet in season 12. I mean, I still am. And I am beyond ecstatic that uh, she has an Oil of Olay campaign. Uh, she is Oil just... of Olay? Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's great. And, and when she leaves the show, she's when she's leaving, RuPaul says, um, you might want to think about, if I can give you some advice, you might want to think about... Um, getting some property outside of Ramsour, which is where she is. It's, it's a, she's in a, a Southern town. She's like maybe New York or LA because you're a star. Wow. Um, and she really is. I mean, and also just, I just love her. She's really, um, yeah. So, uh, and Parker and I had just, because Parker's watching season 12 right now, she was going through all of them and, um, so we watched that episode and I really Maybe that's that. what I'll um, do in quarantine. Maybe I'll learn about RuPaul's Drag Race so I can know what anyone's talking about. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Well, I yeah. mean, I'm uh, another show that is really excellent. Um, that is not a World of Wonder Productions like uh, from the RuPaul franchise, but has RuPaul, drag queens who've been on RuPaul is this a uh, show called The Queens um, that was on HBO. Um, it's Shangela, Bob, and uh, I'm blanking because I watched it in the beginning of quarantine mm-hmm. and they uh, go to um, places that might not want a drag queen to come there and right. get people into drag. They travel about. It's a tearjerker. Okay. It's a tearjerker. It's a feel good. And it's <laughs> highly produced by HBO. Well, we love that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It it uplifts yeah. people. Mm-hmm. On this season of uh yeah, and I put season 13 of Repose Drag Race is really beyond. Um I am loving it. Uh I have a total crush um on Got Mick from the show and um Got Mick. Will yeah. you help me remember which one that is? Uh yes, Gottmik is uh trans. I, I believe the only uh trans male contestant on the yes, show. Yes, 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 yes. Mm-hmm. Amazing at makeup. Amazing at makeup, also like really I mean, so cute. Like the hair, all of it, it's really like you know, a kind of emo uh you know, look, but so funny. Mm-hmm. Really so funny, such a queen. Beautiful. Um, yeah. Yeah. With fierce looks. Oh, you didn't see Gottmik's little black dress look, did you? I only watched episode one. Oh, my God. Or, I, yeah, or maybe one okay. and two. We don't. I think you like watching, you know, you you watch things I don't. I like well, watching so. Claire Saffitz bake in her kitchen. That's what I like. Super. Right. That's not. And that's just one of the ways we're different. Yeah. I mean, right mm-hmm. now... Just as people will find out, like, other ways were different when we answer your questions shortly. I more or less only want to watch Claire Bake. And sometimes I want to watch a little bit of news to know what's going on with the impeachment, what have you. But I mm-hmm. also, like, I also don't want to know that much about the impeachment because I 
I feel very certain that it's not going to go away. That's interesting for us. So, um, yes, I as well feel very certain that it's, um, but nothing's going to happen. Right. But what I am becoming aware of is that they're, they're presenting sort of irrefutable evidence just over and over and over again for hours and hours and hours again. And it's not going to matter because, you know, these senators are beholden to their crazy constituents and actually they themselves are crazy. So they are uh, fully as well, fully crazy. I did think, um, I mean, I did see a little bit of Trump's lawyer talking like a few days ago or something. And I thought this person's on drugs. Something something's drugs. different i mean not even talking about the case not even it's presenting cocaine. presenting any kind of evidence just just talking about been around about, someone on cocaine i'm sure i'm sure well, that's what it's like I'm sure it's just like well and then da 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 and da 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 so strange wow so strange anyways um, so I actually absorbed quite a bit of dance this week, strangely. Oh. I know. And I, I also somehow watched, I also watched the movie Soul, that Pixar cartoon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I found it to be okay. And I, I really appreciated their take on the afterlife. I thought, mm. this is fun to look at. Yeah. And the way they kind of structured, like, how how souls kind of like get designated as being certain kinds of people. And then they like fly out, they jump through this hole and then they fly through space to planet earth and they go into people's bodies and they're just like the cutest little balls with faces. And like some of them get sent through the house where they become optimists or some of them go through a house where they become elitists, you know, like, so there's all, they're all, they have different, different attributes, which is cute. What's the purpose of having them be different? Just to explain like why people are fundamentally different. Yeah, no, but I mean in the, who is the, do you see God or anything? Mm-mm, no, but there are so, like managers and the managers up there are like um, line drawings and they look really cool. And why are they, why are they making people different? on earth instead of just making like one optimistic person who wants to help other people. It's a great question, Jack. You're going to have to call Pixar's animators to get to the bottom of that. I will. Yeah. Right. No problem. I have them on speed dial. I'm always pitching ideas to them and they're always like, no. I guess it's to create chaos and balance. I don't know. I made that up. I guess I mainly I'm just going to say it seems like it just made chaos. Chaos. um, It's just chaos. Yeah. Okay. So I I wish that like if you saw that the souls were being made by like line drawings that were like completely chaotic and they were like, this will be crazy. And then they throw like, you know. Well, I have to say they are. The line drawings are a little chaotic in this movie. They like they make strange decisions. Well, there you go. They make exceptions for stuff. You're like, I don't know about that. Okay. Um, I watched um, also the Britney documentary, which was uh-huh. illuminating. Mm. And I am, I am definitely like camp free Britney, but I'm, I'm, of, I'm of two minds. I'm of two minds because I do realize that you know Britney has been victimized by you know m- misogyny and correct, but. Um, 
there's also this point in her life where she does clearly not seem to be within her adult capabilities of self-care, etc. So it, it does feel like there is a moment where you're like, it's good that she's kind of getting a lot of help from others or like that people, uh-huh. others are taking control of the business of this whole thing. Um, and it does in a way seem to put her back on track. But what it also does is it creates what we see now, which is a very different person than what we knew before, which was like a normal ish person. And now we're seeing someone who maybe perhaps is trying to communicate through the Instagram, you know? So I don't know. It's, I haven't seen it yet. I haven't, I just can't consume that one yet. Um, I have very staunch feelings on Mm -hmm. the treatment of Brittany and uh, the loathsome misogynistic media. Yeah. uh, Which I mean, it extends to women like Diane Sawyer. Like, I'm not just going to say this is, you know, as people have heard this podcast before, ever heard me say misogyny is not just something men do women do no as well Well, you see men women gay men everyone's doing it to britney it's like britney is among these female pop sensations and you know pop culture sensations who just really got the short end of the stick in terms of like at every single moment in their life it was like the whole culture was looking to define them around like their relationship to men like who's your boyfriend I mean, my right feeling now? Ab- right, my feeling watching the documentary is that I feel I know a lot of this material already. I, yeah, I already, yeah, you do. I already strongly dislike Justin Timberlake. Um, mm-hmm. Always have. Uh, I won't be changing my opinion on that. Um, I've all Britney's father has always been a notorious um, a monster. Uh, and there's you know this uh, Kevin Federline clearly, but I think there's a lot of um, the media gross seeing you know. Ugh, seeing that um you know Jessica Sarah Jessica Parker and then it was like and Bette Mittler tweeted free Britney and I thought well where were you Bette when you said that what she did was awful on Diane Sawyer remember that I mean Bette Mittler was like she really shouldn't have done that uh with the kiss with Madonna like she shouldn't be she's a a child star and she's being um I mean, Bette Miller says something to the effect of, I know that neither of these people care what I have to say, but I think it was bad. I and don't even like, know to what was Bette talking about? Uh, the Britney kiss with Madonna at the VMAs. Oh, who cares? Well, what matters is at the point she was attacked by everyone. Wow. So it did so matter. Weird. It actually does matter, and I do care, because it is the way in which women's sexuality gets completely demolished at every turn. They're told they absolutely can't do it, but show up in a really like tiny dress on the red carpet. All right. Brittany's timing was bad. I mean, Brittany's timing, she just didn't, she existed a little bit too early to survive this, you know, the cultural climate. Whereas now someone like Miley Cyrus can exist and it's actually like empowering. The children have a lot of voice in the matter. So it's like, it's okay. Right. But Brittany did not get spared. My goodness. Anyways. No, well, and it's also this thing of like, you would, you have to have the spine of Madonna to get through that. And um, Brittany continually was very vulnerable, let herself cry in interviews, these things that, 
you know, Madonna was certainly not going to do. Right. She just would like roll her eyes at the, at the, the person and be like, you're ridiculous. This is stupid. Um, mm. you know, or like taunt David Letterman. It's for right. the best. It's better to be that way if you're going to meet those people. Anyhow. Anyway. Well, there you go. I, there you go. I hope, um, I will say I did receive, um, a pound of kinetic sand. You did. Um, from Jeff B. I will keep his last name anonymous, who uh, sent me Bezos. the rose soaps. Jeff Bezos of Amazon sent you some sand. <laughs> Did you know that Jeff Bezos of Amazon loves to make out with me? Oh, wow. Beautiful. Jeff really likes to put his whole tongue in my mouth. <laughs> and I, when we're done kissing, say, well, that was Amazon. Amazon. Um, okay. So, oh, okay, dance. So I watched, I forgot to mention last week that, because we'd advertised it the week before, that Pam Tanowitz had a, had a thing at the library. And I got to see it, and I was so moved by it. It was just the most, Jeremy and Pam just did the most extraordinary job with this movie. And it's such a beautiful um, sorry, middle lost words. It is a, it is a research film, but what it also is, is, um, it's about Pam's family and about her culture and about her daughter and about many things, but it's a beautiful film. And Jeremy did such an incredible job putting it together. Jeremy is really, uh, the filmmaker of dance. He really is. He's becoming it. Yeah. I really watched him work on that for, I can't even tell you, like every, the number of times I heard, hello, hello. Well, to have um, turned iPhone videos into some like work of art is really incredible. Well, and I also got to have the, you know, the behind the scenes of uh, watching him talk with Pam and then, you know, work it out with Gemma and how that was going to work out. And mm. I mean, he did remote direction. Mm. by like being like Pam would call and she'd be like, okay, we're going to film the thing. And then he would help her figure out the angle. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a real, um, I fully agree. I think the movie's really beautiful. I, I think it's really touching. Um, it is, uh, I also think it's really important in terms of the Jewish experience and, um, I hope that people get to see it somehow. I don't really know how they will. Well, it'll be it's in the open. it'll be in the catalog of the library. So at a certain mm -hmm. point, it'll be available to watch via their digital archive. Mm -hmm. Um. So there's that. We love, love, love. We live, we laugh, we love Pam and Jeremy. It's really, really oh my god. Um. And then I watched. Um. I sent it to you. Bobby Briscoe sent us a link to this Paris Opera Ballet. Um, right. I didn't. Gallup I did program. not watch it. Oh. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well. Thanks. Um. So, right. that's fine. Um. They do this. You told me what it was, and then I really knew it, and so I just left it. I know, but it's kind of like you have to experience it. Okay. But they do. This program that starts out with their annual defile, where all the right. people of the school and then all the members of the company uh, process forward down the stage. But in this particular case, there's no audience and they're wearing um, like those pale blue hospital masks. Correct. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and so it's absolutely incredible. It's one of the greatest like pieces of theater I've ever seen of watching people present themselves to nobody and in masks. It's incredible. Yeah. Presenting themselves to the internet and to each other. I loved it. I love, 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 loved it. Um, and the men walk in this peculiar straight need way. And I mean, the whole thing is like this bizarre, antiquated, misogynist, yeah. like procession of hierarchy, which is like so Correct. much, so much is wrong with that. So much. But at the same time, it's also a thrill. So I don't know what to say. I'm confused. I'm of two minds. Well, you know, you're also really from ballet. So it's... It's going to scratch that itch and, you know. I guess that's why, like, putting it in masks with no audience just, like, felt more interesting. And just, like... Well, it's it's also bizarre and, you know, they're like, well, indeed, there's going to be a lot of you together in one space, but hopefully you've all quarantined, wear a mask, and let's just go for this. Right. Anything that's being done right now in the kind of, like, imminent threat of death especially as it gets into something that could be optional is interesting Mm, mm, because it mm. makes you think, well, this is how much they thought about death and they decided that, that, that it it was worth the risk. Yeah. Yeah. And that in and of itself is a philosophical uh, sort of fascinating thing. So to me, I think the sort of the, um, just the the tradition of ballet, just insisting that they must do this thing, even if some people get sick and die. <laughs> I'm like, right. that seems accurate. <laughs> oh, so the amazing. kind of that seeing them in the masks then also gives this nod to um, uh, a, a sense of pressing on no matter what. And that certainly is uh, a, a big narrative in ballet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's fascinating. Anyways, the rest of the program okay. is just three, three standard repertoire pieces, Grand Pas Classique, Jerome Robbins in the Night, and then Herman Schmerman by Forsyth. And, oh, no, Vertiginous Thrill of Exactitude by Forsyth. And, mm-hmm. you know, Paris Opera Ballet dancers are excellent. They're understated. Wait, do they do those in masks? No, because I'm assuming those are like bubbled because they're small, small groups. Those have been quarred off together. Got it. Because Vertiginous is a cast of five, In the Night is a cast of six, and Grand Pas Classique is two. Vertiginous Thrill of Exactitude. Wow. They do it so nicely because they do it. Who's the Sylvie part? There's no Sylvie part. She's not, she was never in that dance. She wasn't? No. She was first, she was the original cast of In the Middle, Somewhat Elevated. Oh, right. Never mind. Um, but it's, um, it's, they do it beautifully because, you know, they, I think Forsyth, like, Forsyth Ballet or, like, Forsyth's more classical work, like, is really served by just dancing it classically because there's already so much, like, right. queering of the step itself that you right. just you need to just do the step as it is in like the classical ballet book and then you really see the choreography because when people do those ballets and they're like get into like jazz 
like, uh, oh God, when they start to do weird things with their neck or they start to make things too snappy. I really, I really hate that. I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you need the scene as Roland Barthes would describe, you know, that the, the pleasure or the bliss isn't society or the destruction of society. It's the scene. So that's what you're getting by them, uh, performing it classically when it's uh, perverted classicism. Right. Like Forsyth already did the work and, and right. it's a disservice and it like fogs it up. If you're like fussing with the thing itself, it's like, stop doing that kind of dance that feels sexy to you. It's stupid. And you look dumb. Okay. That was my PSA. Wow. Wow. Reed. Yeah. Wow. I cannot. Big, big Sagittarius fury. I'm on this sorry. One. I just, I'm like, it's been decades of this nonsense and like, you're over it. You're done. I'm so done. Um, everybody just go watch how the Paris Opera Ballet is does Forsyth. a kind of like, well, Forsyth, Robbins, classical ballet. Like they they do things in a really like respectful way. They like show the work. You really see the work through their body because they like, I think that the culture is that, I don't know this for sure, definitely not from the Paris Opera Ballet. But it, I get the sense that they really believe in showing the work more than they, like, believe in their own egos. And I could be completely wrong. But. When I was a toile at Paris <laughs> Opera, I feel like I frequently was allowed to take really extreme liberties. Um, but it was just it was just partly because of my beauty. I mean, really, people came... To mm-hmm. see my eyes and my thighs. You. It was for you. I, you know, some things, look, some things I've done for other people, but as an étoile at Paris Opera, that was for me. Right. That time was for me. I mean, and mm-hmm. you giving this monologue the, through the voice of Sylvie Guillaume, I think really gets to something <laughs> that maybe we're both trying to get at, which is that like Sylvie had to leave the Paris Opera Ballet because they weren't going to let her have the kind of freedom that she wanted. So Mm-mm. she had to go and terrorize the Royal. <laughs> she had to go terrorize basically anybody, but like basically she just wanted to dance how she wanted to dance. And I right. think that the Paris Opera Ballet was like, we have codes. You know here. who else wants to dance just how they want to dance? Whitney Houston. Me. Oh, okay. No. <laughs> oh, that's true. I want to dance with some, but she wants to dance with somebody. Sometimes when you want to dance, they want to dance. Yeah, she, she wants to feel the heat with somebody. somebody. Sometimes when you want to dance how you want to dance and you want to feel the heat, you might want to do it alone. Exactly. Um, so great. If you can get your hands on that video or pay to watch that video, thank you so much, Bobby. Bobby was telling me how he'd like to see dancers of New York City Ballet do that kind of repertoire. And I said, I'm always happy to see a dancer of New York City Ballet, like, try something, you know? Sure. Sure. Um and they already do in the night, so we know what that's like. And and yes. they they do a they do a Herman Schmerman Forsyth dance, so we kind of know what that's like. And so yeah, well, I know what it's like with Wendy. I think I've only seen the video with Wendy. I don't think I've seen it live. Oh, there's more to it. You know, there's a there's a quintet that happens in Herman Schmerman before that. I do I? know. I do know of, but I haven't seen it live. Anyway, so the Paris Opera Ballet. Thank you, Bobby. Um, and then I watched these two different programs of ABT Studio Company who did this like really intensive bubble in the fall where they like spent a couple weeks in I don't know where and then they went to Kotzbahn 
and they were, you know, kept prison, ballet prisoner students. And they put together these two programs with premieres by uh, Hope Boykin and Amy Hall Garner and Lauren Lovett. And um, it was, it was like, good. Those dancers are really excellent. And Sasha and Stella are doing an amazing job at like, getting these young ballet dancers to dance really well. And is all the dancing something that I love? Uh, no, but it's fine. And I think it was, it's very appropriate for, for dancers, their age. And um, it felt very, it was like a good feeling to watch those shows. I had a good feeling watching them. Um, so that's that. Great. Um, and then also that video of the zoom with the person in the cat filter was iconic. Yes. Wow. I'm not a cat. I'm not, I'm not a cat. <laughs> I'm here live, but I'm not a cat. <laughs> I'm not a cat. I'm not a cat is up there with it's just soap as, um, really, some important uh, lines of this time. Incredible. Okay. Should we move into part two of our show? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. I'm going to just go straight in with it, with the first question. So ladies and other, we're, you know, we're here to give you advice, write in your questions. You can DM them uh, to our Instagram or uh, send us an email at with dance and stuff at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. and Reed will collate them mm-hmm. and I won't know them and uh, so uh, so that I can be surprised and Reed won't Beautiful. be surprised and we will give you advice. I'll still be sort of surprised because I didn't, I didn't read through them carefully. Okay. Oh, good. The first one says, Laura says, a friend of um, mine... Why don't, and let's not, if they have a last name, please don't say their last name. No, okay. no, no. Unless, okay, unless it's a friend, you know. Okay. Mm-hmm. A friend of mine who teaches ballet in Calgary, shout out, I used to live there, has a former student who has been training at the Academy Princess Grace in Monaco for the past three years. This lovely- Shout out, I used to teach there. <laughs> <laughs> um, this lovely student will graduate this year and has secured a contract with a European company. Any advice mm. for our young friend as she enters her first company year? Of company life. Okay. So basically what we have here is we have a young person who's about to Mm -hmm. start their career in these very strange times. Mm -hmm. Gosh, advice, 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 advice. My advice for a first year person in a ballet company is... Is it a ballet company? I'm assuming. Oh, yeah. If they've gone to the Princess Grey School, they're like doing full stop, like rigid ballet. Okay. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say, like, be patient, be curious, like, really don't expect a lot. And also, like, try to stay really interested and really spend this time learning how to take care of yourself and cultivating interests outside of the ballet. So... Don't let your whole life get consumed by this job, but make sure you're there being really like diligent because the the staff is just going to be observing your work ethic this first year. And so if you can show up and do your job well and keep your body together and not, I hate to say it, but like 
try not to get injured. It's really doesn't show well to be injured right away. <laughs> um, yeah. What else? what else can we say about that? Well, I, so my suggestion is note which principal dancer you're most like and befriend her. Get really close to her and ask to become her understudy and then push her down the stairs. Yes. Um, just kidding. My actual advice is lower yeah. your expectations of yourself and others. That will help decrease your anxiety and that will help you not get injured and allow you to be more present and actually help you breathe better and have you be able to access more room throughout your body. Beautiful. Uh, don't feel that you have something to prove right away. Show up for the art, hear the music, listen to the music. Exactly what Reed said, explore outside things. If you have some days off, go to, I don't know what's open right now. I don't know where this company is. If you're, you know, there's some, probably a museum they can go to. Okay. They can, go to a museum or watch yeah. it, like watch a movie, like get the, get the criterion collection in Europe if you can and go through all of Bergman's films. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, really uh, read, find out what interests you. Um, explore the dynamics of the ballet world that are outmoded and outdated. Think about them and think about how uh, you want that to not only inform your work, but where that might want to take you if right. that if if those kinds of traditions don't morally sit well with you. Right. Um, know don't. that you'll have options. Yeah. Don't lean and don't into feel the trapped. drama. Yeah, don't lean into yeah. the drama and don't and try to kind of keep away from those people who thrive only on the drama because there's going to always be a few of those people who um their whole their whole existence is built around either feeding off problems or inventing them. Yes, so, and that's true. That's true in a company or outside of a company. Stay in just the world. Fear is used to control people. Yeah. So notice if you're starting to feel afraid around people or a sense of heightened anxiety, they might be trying to control you consciously or subconsciously. Oh, yeah. Just shake it off. And Russell um, Jansen, a, Russell Jansen told me when I he told me that a young dancer in a company they would do well to make a friend who's more senior than them, like someone who they can confide in in case they run into any kind of problem um, so that they can have advice from this, to, someone to advocate for them. So it can yes. be scary to advocate for yourself when you're new in a company, but befriend a person that you can trust who's been there for a while, who can help you understand how either either they can advocate for you or you can advocate for yourself because that's tricky. Yes, go where it's warm. Um, yeah, steer clear of drama and yeah, and what keep else? some keep some glass beads in your pocket in case you need to take someone down. Yeah, in the case you need to throw them on the, but the, make sure the beads match the costumes of the evening. Beautiful. Okay, so let's be done um, with that question. Is that okay? Great. Okay. Yeah. This is a long question. We have number two. This person's alias is Summer Bird. Summer Bird says. I'm an interdisciplinary artist with a background in circus. I'm currently in my first year of online UG art school at NSCAD, which I'm loving so far and which is based in a city I love but haven't gotten to live in yet because of the plague, Halifax, Nova Scotia. Oh, are you still there? Sorry, ladies and another. I just Ugh, lost Reed, so I'm going to call Reed back. I think my Reed earphones back. died 
or something. Um, okay. One moment. Uh, I'm still recording. Here we go. Okay, why are we cut off? You know, just a little bit of technical difficulties. Here we go. What happened? It just cut out for some reason. Okay, Okay, we're I kept recording. Likewise. um, Because I heard last thing was because, yeah, because of the plague. Oh, because of the? Plague. Plague. Uh Uh-huh. This person's in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Last year, I got into the Fjordain Folkhogskola, a one-year circus prep program of sorts, but had to defer because it wasn't certain if I could even get into the country, again, because of the plague. They've just emailed me this week asking if I want to do the program this fall, and I'm all sorts of twisty about it. It's a very low-key program, which is perfect for me right now, and I'd also be able to take some classes in horseback riding, which I love, love, love. Plus, I'm getting into drag and have a little dream of being able to do stuff on the level of Scarlet Business. Check out her stuff if you've never heard of her. It's amazing. But I don't know if I want to pursue derail this great thing I'm building in Nova Scotia. I have loads of friends in Nova Scotia and Norway is very cold and dark. Plus, I'd probably have to postpone my top surgery, which I was hoping to have done at the Mm. end of this summer. But but it's not like I get the chance to study in freaking Norway every day either. P.S. Don't forget. Also forgot to mention that I have a tendency to overtrain and I'm kind of worried about diving into that full time training life again. Okay. Okay, so I guess the thing that feels the most present to me is um, I would want to stick through with the top surgery now because of uh, there's so much that opens up in, uh, at least for friends of mine who uh, have had uh, – surgery in terms of transition that things change for them psychologically in a way where Mm -hmm. they feel more clear and, and Mm -hmm. there's a clarity around um, being in a body that uh, feels uh, more correct for how they feel and um, how they are. And so they feel how they are. So um, I guess I, I feel like with, with a tendency to overtrain, uh, with a bunch of, with a support community hard to come by already and a surgery in place, I would say stay put. And I I agree. And you can do this training. You can defer and say that I'm so glad I got in. Um, I'm actually scheduled. uh, You, you can, I don't know how upfront you want to be with what it, whatever you're saying about your surgery. You can say I'm already, I have a longstanding surgical appointment and I want to honor that and I also honor think, my like, body def- and get back to this later. Deferrals during this time are, are going to be like super commonplace and, and yeah. I think will be honored in a different way than they sometimes are in normal times. Totally. And I also think this is a, uh, as I've said before, like mental health is health and health is mental health. So our bodies affect how we think and how we think affects our bodies. But it's not just how you think affects your bodies. It's what's going on with your body affects how you think. So um, I'm really, you're, we're also performers. We lead from our, I mean, well, we're, we all think a lot, a lot, a lot. 
because that's what the brain does. But I say stay with the body, honor the body, um, do your surgery, be with those you love, and then assess what it is you want to do because I think things will be clearer then. But mm-hmm. I don't know. Again, this is advice, advice, opinions. Everyone's got one. Subjective. I think that take you or did leave. a really, really good job. That was that was. I couldn't have thought it better myself. Well, work. Okay. Next question. Alex asks: Have either of you ever battled with imposter syndrome? If so, do you have any tips on managing it? Does it ever really go away? Yeah. Um, no. <laughs> oh my god, that is uh, so crazy. Um, the way I battle it is by, um, educating myself. That is actually how I battle it. Like when I get into a situation where Mm. I feel that I don't actually have the knowledge to participate in a really authentic way or do whatever it is I'm trying to do with integrity, I really just kind of educate myself. And I, I'm, I'm never too embarrassed to like admit that I need more training. So when I I got into dance late, but what I, I made up for time by being totally obsessed and making sure I was constantly training until I did get to a place where I felt I deserved to be where I was. And even when I got, when I left ballet and I joined Shen Wei I was like, wow, I'm, I'm dancing amongst people who have what much more physical information than I do. So rather than just like feel defensive or like try to try to hide the fact that I didn't know what I was doing sometimes, I really reached out to the other dancers and I asked them, you know, what kind of training would you recommend um, for me to like put my body in a in a more appropriate place for this kind of work? And that is what led me to Barbara Mahler and various other kind of somatic practices. And, you know, by the time I left Shenwei, I, I had really, really, really grown in terms of like learning how to do different kinds of, of uh, physicalities than I had been familiar with as a ballet dancer. Um, so, and the same with like, when I realized I wanted to be a designer, rather than just like fake it till I make it. I literally went to fashion school and learned exactly the ins and outs of drawing, making clothes, pattern making, computer work, presentation. And now that I find myself in a place where I really have for a few years with this podcast and in making presentations during residence or during um, fellowships, I sometimes feel that I don't have the language to share out or express the the thoughts and ideas that I, I I know I have. So doing this master's program through UArts is what is helping to to reinforce um, a kind of confidence. So that's my answer. I think that's great. I, I think in terms of dealing with imposter syndrome, that's really great as well as I would add into that. I mean, why I don't have imposter syndrome, um, I was so bullied, so abused, and so diminished that it became so clear that the bully gets inside of oneself mm-hmm. uh, at a certain point. And so I really look to fight that back. I've always been an, an avid reader. If I would be, I'm super obsessive. So if I'm into something, I'm obsessed with it, and then I want to know everything about it. Um. And I generally, and and in fact, for all the work I've ever done, it's all been things that I've been completely obsessed with. 
So um, I, right. I really haven't had, when I've read about that, I haven't had that. But it was also something that psychologically I looked early on to really beat back right. and be and like, I, I don't want to bring that into my life. I think in dance, I think what you do, Jack, in, in your, in your work is that you, um, true, what's true? I make my own work. Oh yeah. And what you, what you do in your work is that you, um, you're making comment on a thing that you're obsessed with. You're not actually trying to say like, I am the vehicle of this form or I am the like perfect vehicle of X, Y, Z. No. So that, that is something that also should be clear. Like there are people who, who make work, who, who there's this kind of assumption through it that they're like, yes, I am indeed um, a practitioner and an expert in, in this thing. Like a lot of people in the museum visual arts world who are saying like, oh yes, I have a great deal of experience with ballet. And that's why my work um, makes comment on the form ballet. And you're like, no, you don't. You're right. And don't, don't say you do because that is the problem. The problem is not that you're making some shitty work about ballet, like carry on making shitty work about (laughs) dance because the museum community is going to lap it up. The problem is that you're trying to convince people that you're some kind of like experienced ballet practitioner when it's so clear, in fact, that that would be impossible. You would not be making the shitty, shitty work you're making if that were true. Okay. Another like Sagittarius read for filth. Um, that didn't that got off topic for our listeners' question, but I do want to say I'm off sorry. of that, which no, it was great, and I think what's important about that is, if anyone tells you they're an expert in something, be they're wrong. It's exactly because there are no experts. There's people who believe that they they know all the acumen, they've read all the books. That doesn't cover it. And um, I highly suggest if one wants uh, to read something on this topic that I believe will be specific yet broad enough that you read Terrors and Experts by Adam Phillips. Mm. Um, it's really, it, it asks the question, can a psychoanalyst be an expert of your own life? The answer is no. And that's right. also true for everything. Right. Well, I don't you can learn that, a lot and I don't that's think fun. That there, there can be, well, I don't know if I agree with you about there being no experts because there are certainly people who like, are expert in their craft or expert in their... I just don't think someone's done. I don't believe in this idea that like that someone reaches a kind of pinnacle of expertise and now should be viewed as knowing it all. No, um, and I, you know what? I think people who kind of are the best at what they do are those people who would acknowledge that and say like, I'm constantly learning. I continue to grow in this thing that I do. Like if you lack a kind of curiosity in your practice, there's no way that you can be the authority because like you've stopped growing. I mean, which gets into this thing around, um, look at Twyla Tharp. She like made a choice to stop growing and she did. And, work i am this sagittarius reads today are really like i'm fierce um so i'm gagged like it's such a clear example she made incredible work when she was young and curious and participating in the judson movement and then moving into the ballet world and then she made a declaration that i do not watch other work because it is overly influential on my own practice and guess what she did not make good work after that work 
Um, And let that be a note in terms of this thing around imposter syndrome that uh, watch out for the way that that sneaks in from the bullying of people who say they know everything. They don't. Okay. And if they say they do, then they're so, they lack such curiosity that it's boring and you don't want to be like that. Stay open, stay curious. The only thing that's true, that's really true is that we're all going to die. So thank God. There you go. Next question is called, please share all your knowledge on skin hydration. Hmm. Absolutely. I'm really good at that. So you've heard the smoothie that Reed's doing. That's an internal thing. And um, I think internal, you know, our skin, it's, it's off of what you're, what you're eating and drinking and X, Y, Z. I really believe that uh, hot water is going to dry you out. So if you take a hot bath, that's fine. But then you've got to put cold water on your face. You've got to get cold, a cold water rinse on your face. Mm-hmm. I suggest following that up with a hyaluronic acid serum. Mm-hmm. So you'll do that. To The hyaluronic acid is going to help trap moisture. Mm-hmm. After that, any other serum. Just pick any serum that you like and that you feel is friendly to whatever kind of combination oily or dry skin you have. If you're asking for hydration, I don't know if this is some is someone who's combination oily or dry. So pick a serum that's for your skin tone. After that serum, so hyaluronic acid on, give it about a minute, put your next serum on, give it about a minute. You need eye cream. Everyone needs eye cream after 30. You're going to put a little bit of, you're going to dab your eye cream on, you're going to put that on, and then you're going to put on a day moisturizer. And you need a different moisturizer for the night during the day we use a light moisturizer and maybe you want one that's like a blue light blocker or a uv blocker at night you want a thicker moisturizer now this changes if you're oilier combination um i run on the vata uh, side of the dosha so my skin's you know i'm a real wind air um with with some pitta which is fire so at night i need a heavy cream Let's say you're really dry. Are you really dry, honey? Well, after you've got that nighttime cream on, I want you to get CeraVe ointment. You're going to take a little bit of CeraVe ointment, like a, 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 a pinky nail size. You're going to rub it between your fingers to make it kind of, you know, a wet. And then you're going to dab it over your face with your fingers as a top coat to just lock in what's on there. And um, there you go. Drink lots of water. Wow. Okay. So I'll just say quickly, like where I diverge from you, because I think generally that's very good advice for um, people who have skin like you. And Mm -hmm. Jack and I have actually very different skin because Mm -hmm. a Jack has basically, you know, he's never had a pimple. Like in high school, Jack never had a pimple. He's always had this kind of like powdery, dry skin. And so you, Jack, you, I, pie, it's, it's, um, I think it's actually pow- powdery porcelain is what you were going yes, for. Yes. Yes. But dr- a dry meaning like the opposite of oily. So whereas like I'm my oily, skin, right. my skin produces a lot of oil. I've always had like really big, like clogged pores in my nose and, and always on and off acne. I have found in my experience that the less I do, the better off I am. So any wow. products that I've tried that have like offered miraculous results of like clarity or like pore minimization, like that's not for me. And my skin actually reacts poorly to stuff like that. So I think for everybody, 
if you can give yourself a couple weeks where you do very, very, very little to your, to your skin, your skin will tell you what it needs. And then you can start to recalibrate what kind of routine you need for yourself. But to just mm -hmm. continuously be putting things on your face, your skin's never really going to understand. You're never going to understand what your skin wants. So I have, as I've in my life decreased the things that I do, I found that my skin is, is, uh, Mm, it's less irritated. It tends to sort of like, I have more consistency in terms of not having acne and staying fairly moisturized. So I, I really swear by neem oil, which is an Ayurvedic product that's been, I think it's cut with like linseed oil or some other oil, but they use extract. Well, the from one, so you can just get regular neem oil and people mm -hmm. don't want to get that. So right, don't no. get that. That is actually too much and it smells really bad. What right. Reed is talking about is the neem oil from Pratima Skincare, yeah. which is cut with a host of other oils and also has sandalwood in it. So it smells right. nice. So that I have found, like, if I just put the, put that on once or twice a day, I definitely sleep in it, but sometimes I'll also put it on for the day. And then... If I really like in the winter right now and I feel I need really deep hydration, I'll, I'll mix it with some hyaluronic acid so it penetrates further. Um, I don't, I don't I wear eye cream. I will also say, right. I know. I mean, I will I, also say people need a humidifier. I just want to say yeah, yeah, yeah. everyone needs a humidifier. Yeah. Make your environment Unless you moist. live in Hawaii, um, which I guess I want to move there, you know. Yeah. Um, my Keep skin never moist. felt better than Hawaii or Australia. Drink water. Drink your Reese Witherspoon mm -hmm. smoothie. Like, try to keep mm -hmm. your cells hydrated from the inside. And then, like, don't fuss too much. Like, none of these, like, masks and products are actually going to give you the miraculous results, they say. Okay. So, but that is from Reed. And, uh, but I stand by <gasps> what I said. Also, the, like, plastic thingies you've been doing work. So, I mean, I know they work for you. So, like, I know they're going to work for other people, too. Right. But now that you've told me what your skin is like, I think it's just going to make you break out. It's possible. But I would try it out to get rid of this, like, line between my eyes. Uh, yes. Um, do we have any other questions? Yes. So, we have two more. Oh, you better hurry up. Okay. I can't sleep better at hurry. night. You have six minutes. I can't sleep at night. Now my sleep cycle is off and I'm trying to see if I can get back without adding more neurological drugs to my plate. Help, Emily Wexler. <laughs> also, happy birthday, Emily Wexler. We absolutely adore you. You're our, oh God, most militant stan of this podcast. We, we, we're doing it for you and others, but Emily, God, thank you so much and can't wait to have you on as a guest. My advice is if you aren't doing melatonin, try it out. If you're not doing CBD, try it out. You do melatonin and CBD a half hour before you want to go to sleep. Uh, CBD, hold it under your tongue for two minutes. Otherwise, it's kind of a wash. Um, Charlotte's Web is a good uh, quality of CBD oil. Mm -hmm. Melatonin, take whatever. Um, stop all screen time. If you're having trouble sleeping, you'll have to stop all like... You don't have to, but my suggestion is stopping all phone, all internet, all anything other, any kind of screen, two hours before you want to go to sleep. Mm -hmm. I have found as someone with incredible, I have terrible insomnia. It For me, it takes me two hours upon the last time of any kind of screen 
to calm myself down, maybe want a bath with some lavender oil in it, light candles, begin dimming all of your lights two hours before going to sleep. And Again, also like, lights, don't, light don't give yourself a big window of no food for a couple hours before bed as well. Um, and yeah, don't no screens, also no, no big food, talks and don't talk to anyone. Uh, keep your phone away from your bed. Yep. I mean, put I'm on airplane mode being, in another room there? if you can. Yeah, I'm here. Jack. Yeah, Jack. I'm here, Reed. Jack. I'm here. Oh, where'd you go? I'm here. Oh, okay. I don't know. But we have exactly uh, a little under three minutes left. Yeah, it's fine. Um, so, yeah, no food, no screens. Keep your phone away from your bed. Read a book to, to conk you out. Conk you out. Don't talk to anybody. No, you can talk mm. to people. But also, like, no. don't watch I the news. Don't. don't listen to the news before bed. Also... Um, I know Rita's like, saying is, talk to people and I am saying don't this Emily. is hypocritical because I do watch like food demonstrations on my iPad before bed sometimes and that does knock me out as well so I don't know I will also say though Reed you don't have a hard time going to sleep I don't I really don't right I, don't. I have a really hard time going to sleep and so I'm being as super militant on it when you talk to someone, you're going to keep processing and thinking and all of that stuff. You'll have to stop talking to people two hours before you want to go to sleep. Yeah. Okay. Last question. And this is going to be the surprise, Jack. And and you can weigh in. But here are a few. This is from Bobby Briscoe. Here are a few questions that a few dancers may also have. What thoughts do you have about trying to keep in shape during the pandemic? What are the best angles for filming self at bar slash center? Is it worth it for artists to invest in good lighting and a camera to produce, produce content to keep relevant in the dance community? Now, Jack, who do you think would actually be the best person to answer this question? James Whiteside. Or? Isabella Boylston. Exactly. And so, ladies, gentlemen, and other, here we have Isabella Boylston answering our final question of the day. Good morning. Good morning. My coffee is in hand, so I'm oh, alive. Thank God. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um. So, as you know, I'm calling today with a, an important question uh-huh. from from an important listener who's a, actually a friend, oh my God. a friend of the podcast, Bobby Briscoe. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm nervous. Oh my gosh, you really don't. Have what reason. if I can't answer it? <laughs> if you can't answer this, then literally no one on earth can. So, <laughs> okay. 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 So it's actually a, a three-part question. And so do you want me to tell you all of it at once or do you want to hear one part at a time? Tell me all of it at once. Okay. So what thoughts do you have about trying to keep in shape during the pandemic what are the best angles for filming self at bar slash center? <laughs> okay, that's hilarious. And then is it worth it for artists to invest in good lighting and a camera to produce oh. content to keep relevant in the dance community? Okay. Okay. So, Excellent questions. Thank yeah. you so much. So part one was okay. was in keeping in shape in the pandemic thoughts. What in are keeping thoughts? in shape. Yeah. Thoughts. Okay. Well, my thoughts are, I mean, mainly I'm just trying to keep in shape so that it won't be as hard when I do go back. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm just having to accept that 
I'm not going to be in my performance shape unless I'm performing and I'm not going to be performing during this time. So (laughs) I have to just live with that and um, just do the best I can with the resources that I have. Um, I actually converted a bedroom into my ballet studio. Wow. So it's, yeah, I know it's really, I mean, it's a luxury to have an extra bedroom in New York, as you know. (laughs) Um, So it's been, that's helped a lot. I was just annoyed because I had been in my kitchen for like the first few months and I would have to move furniture around every day to do my bar. (laughs) And then I would just absentmindedly walk away and forget to move it back. And Dan was getting so annoyed at me. I know, so, that video um, of you bumping your knee on, on your counter, like, haunts uh, me all the time. <laughs> I was so sad. <laughs> it was one of the saddest videos I've seen in a long time. Let's go to part two so it doesn't get too sad. Uh, uh, Morose, uh, 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 even. <laughs> way too long. Way too boring. Okay. What are the best angles for filming self at bar slash center? Um, best angles, I would say... Like, for a full body shot, putting the camera, like, a little bit lower, especially if you're using the, um, like, the selfie camera, so you, you know, you use the camera on the front of the phone, I would say put it not on the floor, but just, like, way, you know, below the waist. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's usually a good bet, and then you can also fit your whole body in. Is there a difference, like, in between the, the the selfie camera and the other camera? Is the other camera a better camera? Yeah, the front camera is definitely a better camera, which is also why I like the selfie camera, because it's a little bit more forgiving. <laughs> a little bit more of a, like, you know, a blur. Okay, so use the selfie camera to, like, mm-hmm. to put a nice haze over it all. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Number three, is it worth it for artists to invest in good lighting and a camera to produce content to keep relevant in the dance community? I mean, honestly, I think the camera on phones now are so good. So that's what I use. I don't, I own like a film camera, but that's just like, you know, for taking pictures for a hobby. Um, Oh, I need to ask you about that actually. My voice just cracked like a teenage boy. Gorgeous. (laughs) But Bella, I'm going to, after this call, I'm going to ask you about, um, about your film camera. Cause I want to get one. Okay. But Ooh, also, okay. I'll tell you all about it. When you're like filming for like those vlogs, like for a magazine or something, do, you, do they send you a camera to film with, or is that just on your phone? They have done that too, but I prefer to just shoot on my phone cause it's so much easier than trying to set up equipment that I'm not familiar with. Right. So, um, so like when yeah, you, honestly, I think if you get one of the latest phones, either Apple or Samsung or whatever, they all have good cameras. <laughs> Samsung. Okay. Um, that's <laughs> I don't know. What are the other brands? No, that reminds me <laughs> of the, the fancy nut mix when Jack and I were doing it. And it, oh. I think the company was, was a, what was the company of the TV? Nobody knows. Oh, but LG, 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 yes. Oh my God, and you said Samsung. <laughs> yeah, we said Samsung. Because any oh. technology that's not Apple is Samsung, apparently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was unfortunate. That's fine. Um, <laughs> wait, okay. That's the end of Bobby's questions. And so. Oh, wait, I 
I didn't answer the lighting question. Oh, right, right, right. Well, I think you should get good lighting in your apartment just for the sake of your mood. Oh, and man. I think I did buy a ring light, which is slightly embarrassing to admit, but I don't really use it that much. I think natural light is the way to go if you're able to film during daylight hours. I think a lot of people have ring lights now. I think it's like they've they've made a billion. We should have invested in ring light stock when uh, COVID started. Yeah. But, um, yeah. But I don't really like it, honestly. I feel like it doesn't look good. Well, the ring light is... It's an. It's like it kind of works in sort of smoothing things out, but it's obvious. Like mm-hmm. you can always see it in the person's eye or their glasses yeah. or whatever. Yeah, definitely. Um, wait, I had another a natural glow. Quite. Oh, tonight, Bella, you're going to be hosting part two of the studio company. Yes, Bella. yes, I am, and I hope everyone's tuning in. Does that program stay up online for a little while? Mm-hmm. Okay, great. I think it's staying up for. Um, the rest of the month. Okay. Or at least, yeah. Because I watched while. part one last oh my night. Gosh, I it. really got that morning croak in my voice <laughs> right now. <laughs> we are recording at 8.45 for those people who want to I understand. know. Um, yeah. Okay, I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you and the listeners go, but you and I are going to keep talking for a minute, just gossiping. Okay, that sounds great. And cut anything I said that was boring or stupid. <laughs> Okay, we love you, Bella. Say thank you to Bobby. Love you. Okay, bye. Bye. And hi. Ladies, gentlemen, and other, please send us your comments, questions. Uh, I'm sorry, not your comments, but your questions for advice. And as you just heard, you might get a special guest surprise from celebrity dance world um Um, bella thank thank you you so much we love you you, bella my god (laughs) thank you (laughs) and um that was so that was so exciting i loved that gift and we loves you we loves you immensely and we'll see you next week sending your questions Hi, Dance and Stuff listeners. This is Margaret Fuhrer. I'm the editor and producer of the Dance Edit podcast. Like you, we love Reed and Jack over at the Dance Edit. And if you get especially excited when they turn into journalists and do reporting, we think you might like our podcast too. The Dance Edit podcast is a weekly dance news show. It's hosted by me and three other editors from Dance Media. We work on Dance Magazine and Dance Spirit and Point. And every Thursday, we discuss and sometimes yell a little bit about the week's top dance news stories. And then we interview one of the dance artists who's shaping the news. And our recent interview guests have actually included a few dance and stuff friends. We've had Kyle Abraham, we've had Lloyd Knight. Basically, we've built a nice little nerdy community, and we hope you'll join it. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts and at thedanceedit.com slash podcast.